It's September 15th, 2017, and you're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. And I'm Holly. And it's a two-drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, if you listened to the last podcast, you know that we had a big announcement, and that was that we have a new co-host. So I'm excited to introduce you to Holly Hall. She is my partner here at HPD Architecture and Interiors. And uh, Holly, say hi. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to finally join this podcast. I've sort of been listening to it in the background for years, and now I get to be a part of it. So we're going to spend this episode getting to know you a little bit better, let you tell us a little bit more about yourself, and then we will start planning our future episodes so that we can be sharing more information. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Holly? When did you know you loved architecture? Oh, I knew I loved architecture when I was a kid, and my dad would have to babysit all all four of us. And he'd try to give us paper and pencils and get us to sit down and draw and be quiet. And there were two of us, me and my younger brother, who that always satisfied. And then there were two of us, the two Hellions, that uh, never worked. And so I would always draw houses and whatever, and my younger brother would always draw cartoons. And so he became the cartoon artist, and I became the architect. Oh, interesting. And then I would always out, I would go out in the field with my dad, even as a small child, and, and walk projects with him and ask him questions about how things went together. And so I've always been fascinated by buildings and how they went together. And then I would go out and get in the mason's sand piles and take cedar shingles and build things in their sand and I'm sure they were just furious because they had all this crap (laughs) in their sand but they never said anything because you were the architect because I was the architect's daughter and so but I'm sure they were just fit to be tied because then here was all this junk in the sand that they had to mix in in their nice clean sand right oh of course right but so, I was always fascinated by architecture. And then I started writing when I was in high school and went into journalism as a journalism major when I went to UT. And then I discovered I really didn't like doing that on this daily basis all the time and ended up going and auditing some architecture classes and, uh, and then begged and pleaded my way into the architecture school because back then they didn't have a whole lot of women. And uh, told my dad that I'd finally changed my major to architecture. He said, oh, why would you do that? (laughs) (laughs) It's like an actor not wanting their child to go into show business. (laughs) And, uh, but yeah, it worked out. So I've been happy doing it ever since, creating things for people. Very good. And so you have had a lot of experience doing libraries. I think when I very first met you, you were very invested in doing libraries as well as what else? Museums and well, libraries and museums, but mostly the commercial work that I did was libraries because I guess it's just my fascination with books 
Um, and that comes naturally to you as well, right? It does, because my mother had bookstores. Yes, that's right. And uh, she and I'd always been a voracious reader, and she made a deal with me when she got her first bookstore when I was in sixth grade that uh, I could, if I would read a book, I could have it. Oh, wow. And so I developed quite the library. She didn't know what she was in for, but she stuck to it. <laughs> and uh, so I started developing my library early. And I just lived at libraries. I always loved the smell of books. And, oh, uh, interesting. And um, when I was small, I would ride my bike right after school and go to the library and just sit there and read until they kicked me out. And uh, I was kind of boring, but... <laughs> Just lived through books, and I could, you know, do a couple of books a week. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I would kill to be able to read like that. I know I have got friends who can sit down and and do two or three books, yeah, in a week or you know, multiples in a month. And I'm just like, I would be doing well to finish one book an entire summer, if that. Most of them set half read. Hell, I remember one summer up at the. uh, I lived in a small college town. And up at the college, they had a special summer program, enrichment program for the town's kids. And this one particular little course that we could take was speed reading. Oh, interesting. And so I decided, well, I'll try that out. And so they taught me all different types of speed reading and comprehension techniques. And this was probably fifth or sixth grade. And so I became very fascinated with different methods of trying to read faster and still, uh, I guess, comprehend everything I was reading. And and it became sort of a game to me to see how fast I could read a page and then then close my eyes and figure out what it was that the page had said. So I would play these games. And, And it was... It was really kind of, it was, I knew I was a geek way back then because, you know, that kind of stuff didn't fascinate other kids, but it really fascinated me. And and I also did some, um, I was a guinea pig for all the student teachers who were coming out of uh, the college who had to practice giving, um, I guess it was achievement tests. It's what they called them back then. Oh, I don't right. know what they call them Those now. Those standardized tests. Standardized or, yeah. tests. And so they had to have guinea pigs for that. And so they would pay me two bucks to sit on a Saturday morning. And this was way back when, when two bucks was a lot of money. You could go to eight movies for $2. Oh, my gosh. You know, movies were a quarter apiece. Oh, my goodness. And so I would go and spend a Saturday morning being their guinea pig and and taking all of their tests and psychological stuff and be a guinea pig so that I could have all this movie money. <laughs> so you were, what, maybe in middle school at that Oh, uh, I was, yeah, fifth, high sixth, seventh grade, early high school. Oh, okay. So it got to me, you know, achievement tests or standardized tests never bothered me because I had taken so many of them just so that I could have movie money jingling in my pocket. <laughs> So it was no big deal then. It was no big deal. They weren't yeah. scary at all. And so oh. I mean, and, and a lot of that had to do with reading comprehension too, so it all tied back into the speed reading. 
Yeah, that's huge. Reading comprehension was always kind of an issue for me. That was one of my weaker things, which of course makes sense because I'm not, I'm not a huge reader. Never have been. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Fascinating. And it served me well in college. I remember I took one um, self-paced psychology class that you just signed up for, and you didn't have to go and sit in any lectures. You just had to read the book and then go take these tests. And of course. Being a procrastinator, I put it off until the end of the semester, and a lot of other students did too, so they had this big marathon where you would go and you took chapter exams, and so you were supposed to go in one door and pick up an exam and then go sit and take the test, walk out the other door, and then go back in and take another test. So the night before this, I stayed up all night and read the book. The whole book? The whole book, because I hadn't even read the book. (laughs) And it was either this or take an F in the class. Oh, that's not good. And so I read the book, and and I just discovered that I had pretty much photographic memory. Did you know that before then, or was that? No, not really. I just knew that I was pretty good at, at memorizing stuff. But I could close my eyes and actually picture the pictures that were in a particular chapter and you know and, and all the stuff that was in it and you know all that stuff faded but since it was also fresh it and I made an A in the course oh my gosh <laughs> so it was between an A and an F and I thought okay we'll I go can try put in one day to, to ace a whole course for a semester <sighs> oh yeah That's I was not fair I was a little nervous <laughs> I bet. Jeez. But, but it was it was kind of funny. Well, so that's a perfect lead-in to when Larry and I did our last podcast, we talked about how you love to research products. Yes. And that you were always the one to come in after a long weekend and say, oh, I found the coolest stuff. And that makes perfect sense now because you just devour information. Oh, I do. Yeah. So I no do. wonder that that you don't mind sitting and reading and investigating and researching. And and I know you've told us before that when you would, like, for example, when we'd get a new piece of software, that you didn't do the little video tutorials necessarily. You would actually download the entire manual and yes. go through it chapter by chapter and digest it. Yes. And that's just the way you process. That's the way I do process. it. That's and, interesting. And in school, whenever uh, we would have to read a chapter, like a history chapter, I would just sit there, and I back in the typewriter days, this was before computers, and I just had a typewriter, and I would just take my notes as I was reading the chapter and just type them out, and then that was my study sheet because I'd already summarized everything that I felt was important. Oh, and in, so you still do that today. And I I've still do that, do that today. And that's the way I absorb things is it would go from the eyes into the fingers. And whether it's, you know, one way or the other, that's just the way that I learn. Huh. It's, and, uh, and so I still do that now. I just take notes on whatever it is. Interesting. I wonder how students today, how their processes differ or if it's really just the same. You still have to absorb information and process things. But everybody's got a different way of learning, too. Some people are visual learners, and Uh I don't know what it is that you call me. I'm not an auditory learner. Uh, I know that because somebody can tell me something, and it goes right in one ear and out the other. 
and sometimes I'll pick up you know some high points but if I can read it and then transcribe it somehow then it sticks with me interesting okay well so that might be a good tip then for any students who might be listening is that if you are just up all night and you're trying to get through that architecture history class and you've got a test the next day pull out your laptop and start typing notes and maybe that might be the key to making some of it stick yeah and it also made it because a lot of times I use reading to go to sleep at night I'll pick up a book and start reading and I'll wake up you know with the book on my face (laughs) (laughs) that's fun (laughs) but uh and that would happen to me in school too when I was reading a book and so I found that if I was sitting upright and typing in notes I never went to sleep I was you know, studying. But if I was just reading the book and highlighting. Oh yeah, me too. You know, it's all over. I'd have highlighter on my face (laughs) along with the book. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's always been an awful thing for me. I can't even sit on the couch, you know, and attempt to read a fun, a book for fun. Yeah. And it's, yeah, five pages in, I'm conked out. Yeah. (laughs) It just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm glad we've got that skill in our office. <laughs> Thanks, Holly. I never have to read again. I've got you right here. Outstanding. Good. Well, you're principal here at HPD Architecture in Dallas, and you've been doing architecture for how many years? Or if you don't want to say. <laughs> Forever. Forever. It's all I've ever known. I wonder how many years it's been, because I started typing specs for my dad when I was in high school. and drafting when I was in high school. So I was probably 14 or 15. I was probably 15 when I actually started working in You were typing specs at 14 or 15? Yeah, at 15, and having to understand all the terminology. Oh, my goodness. And back then, uh, that was before copiers, Uh and all they had was ditto machines or mimeograph machines, Mm -hmm. And so you had to do these masters that uh, had a piece of paper and then a carbon paper stuck to the back of it. Mm -hmm. And it was the same stuff that teachers had done. And if you made a mistake typing, you had to pull it out of the typewriter and take an X-Acto knife and scrape the letter off and put it back in and type a letter, the new letter, right on top of where the old one was because you had to scrape the the uh, carbon paper uh-huh. image off of it. And, oh, my gosh. And so you didn't want to make any mistakes. No. And, and your hands were purple from the carbon paper. And then you had to put it in a machine, and it had, they used um, carbon tetrachloride, which causes cancer. Oh, fabulous. Uh, as the transfer liquid. Oh, my goodness. And you would spin it around, and it would go through this bath. And, yeah. But it was only good for 20 copies. Because the, the original? The original that you typed was only good for 20 copies. Because after that, every time it ran through, it transferred a little bit of the stuff from the carbon paper onto the other sheet of paper. Uh-huh. It was sort of like ink. Yeah. And... So after 20 copies, there wasn't enough purple ink that was left to make any more copies. So if you need more than 20 copies of the set of specs, you had to type it twice. Oh, my goodness. So for big jobs, I ended up typing everything twice. 
Oh, that is a nightmare. But I learned all <laughs> of the technical jargon from doing specifications and, you know, all about, you know, standards and all that kind of stuff just from typing the specs. Wow. And uh, and my dad, my dad's handwriting was uh, really interesting because you had to count the number of bumps to see what the letters were. And so to begin with, I was a real pain because I was having to try to learn how to read his handwriting. Well, especially with all those technical words. And then after a while, once I got in the hang of it and I knew what the technical words were, then I was, I could almost write the specs myself. You knew that scribble meant a certain technical word. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But I was designing air conditioning systems and doing drafting and typing specs when I was in high school. So did everybody just hate you when you got to college because you kind of already knew it all? No. Because <laughs> in, in college, they didn't teach any of the technical stuff when I went to school. Well, that's true. Yeah. It, it was all design-oriented and yeah. the thought process having to do with design. And we didn't – I never had any technical courses until I was in graduate school. Oh, from actual designing? Yeah, from like- actual – doing working drawings or anything else like that. And they yeah. never taught us anything about specification writing in college. Oh, yeah. So I don't everything, that. everything that I got for writing specs was working with my dad. Yeah, I remember learning about materials and characteristics right. of materials. But, but not, not actually writing specs. Yeah, not specifying certain products for sure. Right. Yeah. But I learned all that from my dad. Oh, that's so valuable. Because that's stuff you have to learn on the fly when you get to be an intern and you don't always get good guidance no. like you probably had. No. Wow. And we certainly wouldn't have to type them two and three times. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the smell. Jeez. Oh, I remember those ditto machines because that my mom was a teacher. And so I would go into the teacher workroom, and yes. I remember that spinning drum and the smell. And, yeah. And how you would... If you had more than 20 students, I guess, apparently, yep. I didn't know that to do part it of twice. it. But then there were certain worksheets got really light yes. <laughs> towards the end. And they were always, when they came out of the machine, they always had that layer of the carbon, the the smell stuff on them. And they were a little bit damp. Damp. I remember that. Yeah. wet. And that was from the transfer fluid, the carbon tetrachloride. The bad stuff. The bad stuff. <laughs> That every every elementary school student was exposed to, uh-huh. because every day. Cause I can remember getting that stuff in elementary school and you'd s- smell it. Yep, it had a very unique smell. Oh, it did. Wow, I wonder when that stopped being used. That stopped somewhere. I guess it was when they started actually doing copiers when I was a sophomore about 76 but I would 1976 somewhere in that range is when they started having the first copiers Uh, Xerox came out with the very first one okay and then other companies started developing them after that but I would suspect since school districts didn't have the money to pay for yeah, the expensive they copiers have they that. probably kept on using that technology until I would guess close to the end of the 1970s because it well it would have been into the 80s because I was in elementary school I wouldn't have started kindergarten until yeah 1980 so yeah yeah and I clearly remember having dittos in and at um like in Sunday school yes 
Yeah, we had them there too. Yes. So at least in, for elementary school for me, which would have been the early 80s. Yeah, because it took quite a while for the price of copiers to get so that regular people could afford. Yeah, districts. And I remember the first copiers I ever saw, I was fascinated by them because they were just almost little flatbeds, and you would put one sheet of paper in, and it would scan it, and then about a minute and a half later, a single copy would come out. Oh, you've got to be kidding. Those were the very first copiers. <laughs> that sounds painful. Oh, it was, but everybody was just awed. Just mesmerized. Yeah. Well, some of the funniest copier moments in movies, I always think to the scene in 9 to 5. Do you remember that scene where I no. can't even remember her name, but she's the the newbie in the office and, and the... You know, she's told to go make all these copies, and it's one of those ginormous, it fills half the room copiers, and it's got all these trays and sorting and colors, and, and of course, it all goes wrong. It's almost like a Lucille Ball yeah. you know, episode where, where the cakes are, are coming. And, <laughs> yes, exactly. The paper's flying, and she's like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, and she's trying to push buttons, and it's just a total disaster. It just makes me laugh. Yeah. Well, so I think that's about wraps it up for today. I hope you enjoyed getting to know a little bit more about Holly. She's going to be with me when we do another show, and then um, we'll be with you together from here on out. Well, it's been great in this little introduction. I hope I didn't bore you too much with all my little personal stories. Next time, we'll talk more about architecture or building or something. So everybody take it easy. If you want to find us online, you can go to hpdarch.com. That's our website. And of course, we are on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd love to hear from you. So we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.